This podcast is produced by Audiofy. Welcome to Season 2 of Can I Get an Amen? The Interview with the Pastor series. Please like, share, and subscribe as we get ready to start the show. Here's your host, the pastor of Vida Church in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, Bishop Herson Gonzalez. Welcome back to another episode of Can I Get an Amen? My name is Herson Gonzalez. I'm the pastor of Vida Church, and I'm so glad you're here for another episode. This is a continuation of my interview with Pastor Eli Serrano from RWC in Springfield, Massachusetts. It's a great church, great team of people. And when you listen to a little bit of Eli's philosophy, you'll see why I believe that their growth is not accidental, it's deliberate. We're going to continue the second half of my interview with him uh, in this episode. You'll hear him talk about the difficulty or the challenges a lot of pastors and people face. And quite frankly, this is where many pastors slip and fail. You get this great vision from God and you have all this excitement and, you know, you're jubilant and you're going to do all this stuff. But somewhere from the vision to the implementation, something falls apart. Uh, We also get to talk to Eli at the very end of this uh, interview about Tom Brady, one of his favorite subjects outside of the Bible. Uh, Pretty interesting take on it. It was a week ago, uh, so his view on some things might have changed by now, but I think you'll have a good time listening to this. But first, my thoughts on Kobe Bryant and his untimely passing. Coming up now on Can I Get an Amen? I am not an avid follower of sports or even less of celebrity, but I have to admit that I was caught quite off guard by my own reaction to the passing of Laker legend Kobe Bryant. I guess I wasn't aware of the impact he had on me until the moment I discovered that he died. I was in my house with a house full of people, life group leaders as our church prepares for a brand new semester of life groups, when Deacon Elliot, one of my closest friends, yelled at me across the room and he told me, Bishop, Kobe Bryant died. I was quick to dismiss it as fake news as I rushed to verify on ESPN or some news network, and sure enough, there it was. Kobe. He died in a helicopter crash. My heart dropped to my stomach, and I felt a wave of sadness come over me. It reminded me of the day that my dad called me on the phone and told me that my little brother Benjamin had passed away. Striking because no one was a bigger fan of Kobe than my brother Benny. It's been about 24 hours now and I've had a little time to reflect on why his passing 
has had such an impact on me and perhaps millions of other people around the world. We downplay the influence and power that celebrity has on us. I honestly didn't know how much I cared for Kobe until this flood of tears poured out of my eyes. I thought we'd have our entire lives to work that out, so I really never thought about him that way. I was never afraid of losing Kobe, not having him in the world. But when you lose someone close, someone that you love, someone that you admire, the way my family lost Benjamin, there's a certain energy that is generated by unexpected loss that resonates and conjures up deeply suppressed pain. Kobe and Benny were linked in my emotional memory. When Kobe died, it brought up all my feelings of Ben's passing. Now we mustn't take for granted the special people in our lives. We should celebrate them, appreciate them, and honor them while we have a chance to tell them how much they've affected us. Don't assume that they know how much they've inspired you. Don't assume that they know about the impact that they've had in your life. The Mamba mentality was about removing excuses and obstacles on the path to greatness and doing whatever it takes to live up to your own potential, to your own greatness. Thank you, Kobe. I wish I could have told you in person how much your life touched my own. My deepest and most heartfelt condolences go out to his family and the family members of all those that we lost that day, but also to the legions of fans, the people who mourn the loss of someone great. They say heroes live forever, but legends never die. I suppose that's true. Kobe is going to live forever in our hearts and in our minds. It might sound silly, but I want to say thanks to T.D. Jakes. If I never meet you, thank you for your effect in my life. This one's really funny, but David Letterman. I found him in high school and I watched him forever. Thanks for the laughs, Dave. A little closer to home, I want to say thanks to my dad for being my hero. My brother Jesse for being a legend. My wife and my kids for being my inspiration. And to all of my friends, near or far, your lives have inspired me to be the man that I am. Thank you. I love you. Speaking of friends and people who inspire you, now it's time for the second half of my interview with my pal, Pastor Eli Serrano. Please like, share, and subscribe. If you have something to say to us, please send us a message. We'll get back to you. Thank you for listening, and here is the interview with Pastor Eli, part two. When you guys bought your first building, must have been exciting. Yeah. People were there, but you outgrew it fast. And you could have gone to three, four, five, six services, but you didn't. 
you chose to do something that is exhausting to the staff. Yeah. It's extremely expensive to some people. And to do it right, you have to spend some money. But you became a portable church. Yeah. Tell us why. T- tell me, why did you choose to, instead of just buy a bigger building? or yeah. why, why the portable church? Why go to the big high school and, and do what you did? Yeah. So 2000 and 2010, we purchased our first building. Um, auditorium legit felt uh, it, it fit 180 people. We gave away the, the chairs that we had there. We bought smaller chairs so that we could fit 240. Right, right. Um, we went to about, about a year into it, not even about six months into it, we went to, to two services. And, and in, from, you know, from two services, um, which again, when we went from one service to two service, our average attendance in 2010 was about 115, 120. Right. Um, so when God told us to go to two services, I just felt again, a, a sudden shift. Like uh, we didn't have to do it. The, it was, it was fun to preach to a room that was filled. It was, it's a little bit harder to preach to, to a place that's half full. Right. Um, so God challenged me. He says, if, if, if you only do moves when it makes sense to do it, then what faith is there in that? Ooh, preach boy. So. So what we ended up doing was saying, okay, we're going to move in faith. We, we put a transitional team together and we moved from one service to two services, 2011. Um, then from there, by late 2011, we had outgrown both services. So we, we were kind of looking for different ways. And we were like that for a couple of years. We are like that for a couple of years. I started looking for buildings. I started visiting other buildings. Is, I started, that, when you, is that when you purchased the land that, that you took me to? We did. Yeah, I remember that land that you bought. Yep, yep. we purchased 10 acres of land. And that was going to be a long-term project, but we just wanted to secure it, right? And we looked at different properties and so many different things were done. So many different things. And I remember one day the Lord told me, you know, just just put, take your hands off this. This is, this is my church. Take your hands off it. You focus about pastoring and I'll focus about the next move. So I, I did that. I did that. And then one day I was just kind of praying and, and the Lord put in my heart a school. And it was a school that we had rented to do on uh, an, an Easter Sunday. And the Lord put in my heart, that's the place. Now, you have to understand the makeup of, of where we are. It's just not something that happens. It's not something that happens in this region where schools get rented to churches. Fast forward uh, 2014, you know, we, we, we moved forward and, and we're in prayer. We did different things and um, we did a service. We invited city officials. And, and after that service, the superintendent of schools looked at me and he says, Pastor Eli, what is it that you need? Let's get it done. Wow. And within, within two months, we were at the school every Sunday um, with, with first with one service auditorium fits about 683, close to 700 people, um, which automatically, you know, it, it put, uh, it, it, it helped us tremendously. It helped us tremendously with, with the growth and it gave us an opportunity to continue growing, but it was a huge undertaking. It was a yep. huge undertaking because, you know, once we got the green light, we're like, man, sweet. <laughs> Now we need double everything because we're right. still going to have our midweek at our small location, at our, at our, at our building, but on Sundays. So we're going to be one church in two separate locations for two separate services. Right. These are things that are just don't make sense, but 
the church the church ran with it the church loved, loved it. it yeah they loved it they they, they you remember you 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 came out yeah. um and we ended up doing wednesdays at our small campus sundays at the school um and we had to raise, I remember that Manny, who does a lot of our operations, he put a budget together and he says, Pastor, if this is going to be successful, this is what we need. And he submitted it to me and it was about $52,000 that we had to come up with. Um, and again, we already had the permit. So we were already paying the school. So I, I go before the church and I said, guys, God has opened our a door. Um, and we're excited. Um, this will allow for us to continue growing. And sure enough, man, we, we raised, we raised close to $70,000 in two weeks, um, to be able to purchase everything we had to purchase, um, and be able this to, this is pipe and drape. This is the, I mean, it is an elaborate setup. Well, well, that was the first round of purchases. Fast uh, forward, fast forward from, <laughs> from 2014, to 2020, um, the investment of the portable setup is probably close to 200 grand. Wow. Yeah. And, 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 and when you say investment, uh, it means it's, it's monetary, but, but to me, what matters the most about, about all of this is that your son, who's 13, four, how old is he? He's now 15. 15. He's been but, at it for now for close to three years. He wakes up at 4.30 in the morning yeah. on Sunday mornings. Yeah. And he goes to help and set up. This is yep. his heart. You didn't ask him to do this. This is, this, he loves his church. Yeah. So he's, he's out there at 430. And that's what it takes. Sound yeah. and everybody there at church for 430 in the morning setting up. Yeah. It's for three a, services. Yeah. It's a, it's a 12 hour day. It's a 12 hour day for a great amount of our team. Um, it starts off at 430. Now it's much more elaborate. Now it's, it's much, you know, a lot more square footage, um, you know, that we have to uh, set up for. There's, mm -hmm. there's the lobby, there's the children's area. There's the, I like, I like that even, track. I like that even when you walk through the walls, you don't see locker rooms, it's pipe and drape. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not a school. You transform it. It's creating an atmosphere where those that are far from God can come and receive the gospel and feel that man, we're, we're going into a church, you know, and um, we just want to give God the best. I think that God deserves the best. I think that uh, people who are lost uh, ought to see the best version of the church. If places like Walmart and all these huge Fortune 500 companies can create a, a guest experience that's like no other, then why should the church settle? So, you know, we, we try to do our best and um, there's definitely room for improvement. You know, by all means, there's, we're, we're, we're you know, we have a culture of, of looking consistently, what can we do to improve? And mm -hmm. it is a huge undertaking and it, it, it couldn't be achieved without uh, the different layers of leadership, starting first and foremost with our, our core team and um, without a doubt, our dream team, which is absolutely amazing. How many volunteers on a weekend? Would you say you employ? I know I, I'm throwing this at you. I didn't yeah. ask you any of these questions before, but yeah. Well, we have over 400 and about 450 volunteers now on the weekends. Um, at any given weekend, we probably have half of those working. Yeah. So between between setup and breakdown, between the children's area, between the lobby, between parking, 
between what we call the Dream Team Cafe, which is a a a section that prepares for the hot breakfast, a hot breakfast uh, for our setup team and and those that have been there uh, since the morning. We we want to honor them too, so we want to make sure that uh, this is something that we did about about. Three, four, three years ago, we started doing was creating a, a place where they could come and they could receive a hot breakfast. Yeah. Um, so between any given Sunday, we probably have half of those that are, that are working. That's between, incredible. Between setup, breaking down and all the, the different ministries. The, and, and that's attributed to the teaching at, because the culture of service, when you walk into uh, RWC, you feel the love and you can see if you're looking for it, the preparation and the intentionality. It really is a beautiful thing. And uh, I, get, I really got to commend you on, on, on just building, just being honest and being, being able to listen to God. And, and lastly, I've kept you for a while today. Um, I want to talk about, we talk about this vision and in the weekend, you got, you got several hundred people serving you. I, I, we don't have to give an exact number, but there are about a thousand people coming through every on the, for the weekend. Yeah. Um, our average attendance on the weekend is about 1500 people. Wow. Yeah. And, and that's three services and it's three and services it's, and it's two English services and a Spanish service. Yep. So it's two English, uh, two English services oh, and man. then Spanish church. Now I'm going to have to talk about it. So, so you, you had a, you had the two English services. You'd ever, did you ever translate the service? We did. We did. We had, um, yeah, we started again. We started as a bilingual church, right? We started as a bilingual church. And then very quickly, I learned that we had more English speaking people than Spanish speaking people. So as quickly as I could do it, we started an all English Sunday experience, Sunday service. And mm -hmm. I didn't just want to be labeled or recognized as um, the Spanish church. Mm -hmm. Nothing. I love my heritage. I love my heritage. I For think sure. I consider myself blessed to know, read, write, speak both languages. Fluently. And Good Lord. Man, I just, I felt that God was calling us and he had, he, the Lord had, the Lord had told me back in December 24th, I'll never forget the day my pastor called me and he told me, do not forget about your native tongue. So I knew that I had to service our Spanish community. Um, but I also knew that I was inclined to shifting more towards an English type of service and everything. Your natural, your natural inclination and strength. That's right. Was English. So um, we started off bilingual, went into two services. When we went to the school in 2014, we went bilingual. Um, so worship was bilingual. And oh. what I would do is, it's kind of funny. I would, I would preach one Sunday in English. Right. And I would preach the next Sunday in Spanish. I'm telling you, we did a lot of things that were big no-nos. And, and yet, I think that our resilience was tested as a church and our people passed. Now, did it hurt our growth? Probably it hurt our growth. But uh, now, <clears throat> now we've gone to strictly a, a two-church model. So everything we do in English, we do it completely in Spanish. And there is no more translation so we have a we have an english midweek service we have a spanish midweek service right we have uh two english services on sunday um where everything is is obviously in english and then we have a, a spanish service where everything is in spanish and that spanish service is growing it, it is, is growing. it is yeah yesterday we had close to 300 people in our spanish service 
We have a we have a, a a campus pastor that's assigned to our English church, and we have a campus pastor that's assigned to our Spanish church. That's fantastic. So those are those are some of the things that that we we had to do um, because of it. So why is it so hard to implement vision, and and where do you think you've been successful? And where others fall short. Where, what's and that'll be the last question for today. We, I, I've had you for a while today. I really thank you for your time today. That's a real. That's a loaded question. I know. Let that's me. Let I'm me, asking you. Let me give you. <laughs> let me give you. <laughs> let me give you. Let me give you my perspective as as through the lens of our story. Mm-hmm. Um, so through the lens of our story, the vision is first received. Right, Habakkuk chapter two. We we receive. The vision and you know and and then we we the next thing that it says is that you write it so you receive it and then and you make it and you make it plain and you write it so the the first thing that we do as as ministers and as pastors and as leaders and business owners wherever you may be you receive the vision uh it, it all starts off with an idea god works in ways that going into this year one of the phrases that i've been using a lot is that god is in the details and so it starts off as an idea. Um, for me, what I do next is I take that and I make it plain. I start off with a blank canvas and I have uh, my uh, executive assistant where I will uh, first, most of the time I'll write it down myself first. And then I'll have a meeting where I am going over this idea and giving it shape and giving it form. So first time you're saying it out loud, it helps you correct sort of shape it when you're when you're hearing yourself and you're, correct. you're auto correcting as you're say, saying it out loud correct and then from there i will bring in the necessary people that can speak to the challenges of that idea hmm. that can that can speak that understand that god is that th- there's only one visionary so they're not they're not um they're not questioning the vision what they're doing is is that they're presenting the the challenges that it could bring. Very helpful. So that's the the next thing we do is kind of that think tank, if you will, and and we put it together and we understand this is the position. Uh, these are the this is the opposition that we have. Then for me, the the next thing is discerning. Is this a short term goal, idea, plan, or is this a long term thing? Mm. There are things that God has spoken to me about today that won't take shape for another five or 10 years. So you got to be careful that you're not spending time, energy, and resource on something that you're not going to be doing for another five or 10 years. Mm. So I, um, I quickly will say this is, this is a, for, you know, a later time, um, and, and we start, I start kind of creating that model and then saying, okay, so we wrote it down. I hear the opposition. I hear the challenges that it can present. The next thing that this vision need is infrastructure. So then the infrastructure has to deal with how we're going to execute. So how we're going to execute this. How, this involved, is, how involved in all of that are you personally? Oh, I'm involved 100%. All the, all the way through. Oh, yeah. I'm involved 100%. Um, and so how are we going to execute this? And then after, after we answer that question, um, you know, we're going to execute, this is the way we're going to execute long-term, then I take it because the execution of the vision is not the next step. The next step is how we are going to communicate the vision. 
Mm, yeah. And and that then puts an on uh, the onus and the responsibility on the visionary. Mm -hmm. So then once the infrastructure has been created, once we've listened to the opposition and to the challenges, once we've identified this is either long-term or short-term, now we've determined this is how it will look if it's executed, then it comes back to me. I now by myself have to put a plan together how I'm going to communicate this to the masses. And so far, the church doesn't know. This is all the church behind does not the scenes. Know. And this is when I think one of the mistakes that a lot of pastors make, they get this idea, God says we're going to do this. And they just say something that is unreachable. They don't set a time. And then when it falls apart and it doesn't happen, the people get demoralized and discouraged. Yeah, that's, the that's, vision never, yeah. never makes it to. And I, I like, I really appreciate what you're saying is that the, the average person coming to church hasn't heard a lick of this. We've been working on this hardcore for, for weeks and weeks. Yeah, there's, there's things that it's taken us two years to fully implement right. that the church will never hear. So for for um so 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 what I call that is um, premature vision casting. Yeah. So so what ends up happening is that that's the number one problem. That's and I deal with that with a lot of pastors where yeah. there there because there there is an excitement that comes mm -hmm. to it, right? There's man, you just get this this uh, joy and, and jubilation, and you're like, man, I'm seeing it, like yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah, we're gonna go, especially if you go to a conference. Or yeah. if you go to a church that that has uh, some of these things executed already, oh, si like you, te hable una montaña. <laughs> yeah. Or if you, <laughs> yeah, if you if you've been praying or whatever, and you come back from those from those moments and from the euphoria, from the cloud, and 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 you're the first thing you want to do is you want to preach on it. Yeah. And that's yeah, one of the biggest mistakes. Yeah. That's one of the biggest mistakes because without knowing what you're doing is. You're trying to explain something that you have yet, you, you don't have a full grip on it. Mm -hmm. You don't understand the nuts and bolts. You don't understand takes, what's good, what's it going to cost. It takes great discipline to wait. Yeah. I, I was in, I was in Expo Lee years ago. Um, and I, and I uh, saw uh, the, the senior pastor, Pastor Lopez of uh, Fraternidad Cristiana de Guatemala. They have about 50,000 members. Oh, is that all? Yeah, yeah. And they were, he was just, the guy was, I knew who he was because I had been to Guatemala. He's walking by himself. Like he's walking by himself. So, so I asked him, I said, Pastor Lopez, what advice? Cause I, 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 I saw it as an opportunity. This guy's sure. by himself. He's done it. What advice would you give a young pastor who's building and not physically or, but it's a metaphorically, right? We're all building. Yeah. As, as pastors and leaders, we're building vision, we're building people, we're building ministries, we're building branches of, of execution of different, of different things. And he says, uh, what I would tell that young pastor is what Jesus said. And that is that no one builds a tower lest they know how much it's going to cost hmm. and the work that it's going to take. So one of the biggest issues is the fact that, like you said, and I second that, people will receive something and they want to automatically speak on it. And that's a big danger. I've seen churches split up because of that. Yeah. Because the pastor then one day says, guys, 
we're not going to do it that way. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna remember do God, God changed his mind, guys. <laughs> he called me up again and he said, you know what? Remember when you can't forget that. <laughs> God, God, God threw out the challenge flag. Yeah. After yeah. further review, <laughs> the ruling on the field has been Does not overturned. <laughs> so, so it's, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. So what we do is we make sure that all those things have been checked off. Then the next thing we do is determine the executed. I determine, I determine how it will be disseminated and communicated to the church in layers. So for us, it starts off with our pastoral team. That is the first layer. Okay. The second layer is our coordinators and directors in other churches. This may mean uh, heads of ministries. Yeah. Um, that's the second layer. The third layer would be our dream team or volunteers. Yeah. Okay. And as you are communicating from layer to layer, it's being done in different moments, different days, because when you communicate to the next layer, you want the first layer to be present, to affirm, to explain, to gauge the room to see how people are connecting to what you're saying as a pastor, as a leader. Yeah. And then, so you, you, you go, it's a domino effect. So for me, it's when I'm communicating it to my pastors, um, there, there, there's maybe one or two of us that know it, right? My wife knows it. My executive assistant knows it, right? My campus, one of my campus pastors may know it. And then from there, it's communicated to the entire pastoral team. Mm -hmm. When I communicate it to uh, the, the heads of ministries, my pastoral team is present. So then they they're, have- They're endorsing it. They're that's their, right. shaking their head. They're, yeah. That's right. They're excited. They have the right posture. They've been, it's very intentional. They're right. positioned in specific places. They're, he, they're hearing the clamor of the people mm. to make sure that, that there's no negativity, that there's no confusion. They're asking the probing questions that are, that are in the atmosphere that no one dares to ask. Right. Yeah, but you guys already asked it. That's right. What's going to be the hardest thing? What's the challenge? That's right. For the most part, you've already answered it. That's right. So then from there, we go to our dream team, our volunteers. And then once the volunteer team has received it, then we go to the congregation. But by now... One third of the congregation already knows. Yeah. Because those are the dream team. Right. And so they celebrate, they clap, they, they That's get right. excited, and they help energize the entire church as they hear it for That's the right. first time. Culture is not a, a list of do's and culture is is an atmosphere. Yeah. Culture is behavior. That's what culture is. Behavior is synonymous with culture. So, so what we do when it comes to that and the end goal is the execution of the idea. But before we get there, we need buy-in from everybody. Yeah. This is good stuff. Listen, the most important question I'm going to ask you today, and I think we've asked some real good ones uh, as we wrap it up. Uh, where's Tom Brady going to play football next year? I was making a list about this. <laughs> no, you weren't. I did. No, you weren't. <laughs> I did. Guys, I'm I, listen, we're on a video chat so I can see him. He's looking down at a, a document or something. He's serious. He did make a list. I'm watching him. No, you didn't. I made a list. I made a list. Um, 
<laughs> well, of lists, uh, this is a, a list of teams that you deem acceptable where Tom Brady can go? Not acceptable. This is a <laughs> list that I created of potentials. <clears throat> and it's, it's, got, it's got nine teams, excluding what? the nine teams. And I'll give a quick, nobody, this is the first time somebody asked me this, but I'm glad. I'm going to answer it in one minute. <laughs> I have, I, have, uh, I have the Colts, the Bears, the San Diego Chargers, the Denver Broncos, the Washington Redskins, the Bengals, the Miami Dolphins, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Raiders. Out of these, I have three that are basically not likely. The Raiders are not likely. They have Derek Carr. They've <laughs> given him a lot of money. The Bengals are not like, likely because they just suck. They're no good. I don't think Tom Brady's going to go play for that organization. Even the Tom Denver, can't turn it around. No, 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 no. They, he, Tom, Brady, Tom Brady wants to be a part of a contending championship right. team. Right. The Denver Broncos are kind of in love. John Elway is kind of in love with their new quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's a kid, but there's, the kid has a lot of upside. Then we have now, so it's down from, from, from nine to six. Now let's go one by one. The Colts. <laughs> Colts. The Colts have Jacoby Brissett, which was given about $50 million last year. I did not prepare him for this question, people. <laughs> but I was ready because I don't want to lose Tom Brady. I want him to sign with the Patriots. The Colts have Jacoby Brissett. I don't think, I don't think they're going to bring in Brady and put him to back up. I think that'll be demoralizing to the culture yeah. of the leadership. Speaking about leadership, yeah. the Bears have um, a third-year guy. I don't know. They said already that he's going to be their quarterback, so I don't know. San Diego, oh, they're going into a new stadium in Los Angeles. The Chargers, they're going to be the L.A. Chargers. Um, I, don't, I don't see that team being that good. For me, for me, the team, there's two teams that I see very intriguing that I have, I've narrowed it down to two teams. That's, I, and I hope that you submit this to Tom himself. The Miami Dolphins, because they have Brian Flores, and because they do have, they have a lot of weapons. They have, they have a, a young tight end, and they have a couple of good wide receivers. But to me, the most intriguing team. You haven't said them yet. Yeah. Is the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's intriguing to me, too. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have good, they have, they have a solid wide receiver in Evans. But with that being said, I still think that his best chance at winning a Super Bowl, oh, not because I'm from here, no, no, it's but here. the New England Patriots. Yeah. I, I don't see any of these options. And I've already, le- legit, I looked at all the teams, every other team besides these, they have, a, they have, a, they have their guy. I, and I hate to ask this question, but I'm going to, because this could, this, could this could cause something, another whole, this is another list. What potential quarterbacks could replace Tom Brady? We don't have one. Stidham, Stidham, is a, Stidham is unproven. He still needs a lot of development. He would have to have a solid preseason, you know. Out of, we don't have – that's the thing. The they thing would, is they that, would go out and look for somebody. They, they, they wouldn't they – wouldn't, you, you think Belichick would call that kid up now? But I, I, think, I think – I think – I think that – I think that the 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 <laughs> Patriots will carry three quarterbacks next year. It'll be Brady, Stidham, and a and a, and a veteran. Um, I think they're going to have three quarterbacks in their roster. But speaking about church leadership, this I is why it's so this is why it's so important. And I believe that honestly, without a without a doubt, I think Bill Belichick is one of the most 
one of the one of the greatest leadership brains of of the last 40 years. Oh yeah. I mean, the guy find a culture and just the guy has been, but with all the accolades that he has, there's no succession plan. And I think that we've got to be careful as gifted as we may be as pastors Mm -hmm. and leaders in different ministries, whether it be, I've always said that if, if I have one person who is, who can potentially hijack a branch of the ministry because they have not multiplied themselves, then it holds me hostage. And that's very dangerous. Mm. No one should hold a vision hostage, not even the visionary. That's right. So, so I think it's important for us to, 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 to understand and to, and to look at, at all those things. I know you didn't ask me that question, but it, it just made me think about that when it comes to church leadership too. Well, I, in my introduction to you, I, I did call you a Patriot super fan, and I'm glad that you, uh, you helped me prove uh, that that, in fact, is uh, an accurate title for you. And for those of you that wonder, how did you, what time do you use to this? For me, the football season is therapeutic. So I love football. I yeah. read football. I study it. Um, not as much as I study God's word and leadership, but I, but I do. But on Sundays, you have a, a, a moratorium on no one can speak to you about football until you get home. And many of your friends, they'll watch the game with you on delay. Yeah. So they won't yeah. know. They'll watch it for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> my guys, yeah, my guys <laughs> sacrifice. My guys sacrifice. Well, we'll they're at we'll, church with you. Yeah, exactly. So we'll watch <laughs> it and, and, and we'll have a good time. And yeah, it's therapeutic for us. But man, I've really enjoyed this, Hurston. I I love you. I love your, your family. You guys Thank are you, special to us. I, I love uh, V the church and, and the leadership there and um, just love what God is doing with, with the ministry and, and one socket and just believing God's best for you guys in 2020. Thank you, my friend. And likewise, uh, I know that we're going to be seeing each other uh, soon. Uh, I can't wait to do that. And uh, really grateful that you took time uh, to be with me on, on my little podcast. It means a lot to me. Uh, you're just a great friend. Thank you, bro. I love you. I'm just a little bit torn that I didn't make it to season one. <laughs> no, see, I only, I only interviewed one or two people. I, I interviewed my brother and another person, uh, um, Prophet uh, uh, Eric. And, and, and then I, I kind of didn't follow up with that. But, but in my mind, this was the plan all along. You were my first guest for season two. <laughs> all is well, my man. Love you, bro. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get information, Eli is um, actually he's close to being finished with his book. Uh, I guess well, well, what's the name of the book? Well, we still haven't finalized the name as of yet, but I, can I know tell that was you a that... trick question. I was trying to get you to commit to a title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, <laughs> right it's here, a, right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a book about it's a book about values. Uh, it's a it's a book that'll help organizations, ministry, church planters. Um, it's, 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 a, I believe it's a transcending topic that can help, um, in different areas. And we're excited about it. Um, uh, looking forward to that. This well, if, year. You, if you listen to him speak, you can, you can tell, uh, the high degree of capacity, uh, that he has. The book is, uh, I've already seen a couple of pages. Uh, it looks fantastic. Uh, I can't wait for it to come out. Uh, if you want to follow Eli, uh, and his church, it's uh, on social media. It's at RWC. Springfield. RWC, RWC Springfield. Springfield. Yeah, Instagram, Facebook, um, and just Eli Serrano, E-L-I-S-E-R-R-A-N-O. Follow us. Let us know how we can, uh, how we can help. 
Amen. Well, thank you, my man. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, thank you for uh, staying with us. And we'll see you again next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Can I Get an Amen with Bishop Herson Gonzalez. Follow him on Facebook at Bishop Herson Gonzalez. Until next time.